The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Jamie All Over. Today, I am joined by an impromptu guest. He is host of a Vanderpump Rules podcast called Vanderpump Robs. Welcome to the show, Rob Schulte. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this last minute. I just posted on my story that this episode is going to be about teaching people how to start a podcast. And you so graciously DM'd me and you were like, I can help. So I was like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I never want to be the person that's like, you know, you should have me on. I really know what I'm talking about. But it's like, I'm like, hey, I know what it's like to do a solo podcast from time to time. If you need someone to bounce ideas off of, I have made a few podcasts in my day. <laughs> I love that. You have been doing your podcast for about three years now. That's amazing. Yeah. And I've worked in podcasts for like 10 years. So it's a lot for me. So I'm, I'm happy. and I love talking podcasts. Awesome. I'm so excited because I've only been doing this a little over a year on my own. And I've made so many mistakes. So I'm happy to share all of the mistakes that I've made. Like my business mentor always says, he paid the dummy tax. So <laughs> we don't have to. He's always willing to share his advice. So that's kind of what I would like to do today. And there isn't just one way to do a podcast. There's many ways. Oh, there's so many different ways. But like the big thing is making sure you want to do the podcast, you know? Absolutely. Yes. That's what will keep you going, I think. Because after, you know, people call it the honeymoon period of <laughs> podcasting, maybe those first 10, 20 episodes where you have so many ideas banked and you're just so excited to get them out. But you have to still be consistent and still keep coming up with new ideas. And if no one's listening at that time, you really have to have a strong reason why you're doing it to keep you going. And I think that might be a big reason why a lot of people start podcasts and then quit them within the first year. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Because if you don't want to do it, no one will really want to listen to it. So true. We'll get into all of that. But I want to let the listeners know a little bit more about Vanderpump Rob's podcast, Ooh. because I think we have a lot of crossover with our <laughs> listeners, and I think they would love your show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, yeah, it's so I do recaps. I'm currently recapping the newest season to the best of my, not, you know, what I see on the screen is what I recap with my friend Molly. And we talk about how interpersonal relationships can be affected when the camera's on, but we like to keep it light and fun. But of course, it's been harder to keep it light and fun this season. So what is your connection to Vanderpump? I started as a fan. Okay. I lived in New York. I binged everything when my girlfriend started watching it, you know, went, oh, that's not for me. And then I was like, wait, yes, it is. All of this. I am in, very engaged in this conversation <laughs> and in this storyline. And then when lockdown happened, I had just finished about six months prior to lockdown a podcast tour where the hosts of the podcast I was on with were big Vanderpump fans. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about it. And I was like, man... I should just do a recap show. I, I can't stop talking about it. And then I had the perfect amount of time to start the podcast and start the recap. And it's been a blast because people have been coming out of the woodwork to just talk about the show, even if they've never seen an episode. They just want to have fun and watch and discuss it with me. 
That is so fun. I had a great time doing your show a couple months ago. Oh, yeah. We did a recap. Sheena has also <laughs> been on there a couple times. Have you had any other cast members on there? Yeah, Sheena's been so great to come on a couple of times. And then Peter has been on a couple of times. Peter and I even tried to do a podcast together at one point in time, but that guy is just all over the pace. He's got so many irons in the fire. But, he does. Um, yeah, at a certain point, I believe this episode has been lost to the ravages of the internet. But uh, at a certain point, Danica was on the show too. But oh, really? That episode has mysteriously disappeared and i don't i'm not even being tongue-in-cheek here i switched what? networks and in doing so i lost like three episodes don't you have the file saved i thought i did and it has been lost to the dropbox gods that's weird curious what your thoughts were on danica at the time i had a great conversation with her it was at the point when everyone was doing all sorts of Instagram lives or Zoom chats or this, that, or the other. And we were just talking about like what it's like living in California versus New York, going from working at Sir to being on camera and quote, working at Sir, and everything that comes in between joining the, the cast. Okay. So you said at the time, has your feelings changed? Well, I just feel like my, it hasn't really changed. I just don't know necessarily where she went, you know? And I'm not privy to, you know, I'm not part of the inner circle or anything. I can probably shed some light on that, Rob. Ooh, I would love to anything you could help me out with here. <laughs> I may have single-handedly gotten her fired. <laughs> Please, go on. So there was a shenanigans episode that we have had to pull from the podcast airwaves, such as Ooh. your podcast that is now missing with Danica. Different situations, we were told to remove ours. Oh. <laughs> it was not with her, but it was about her. Her ex-boyfriend was one of our guests on this episode. What the heck was... Oh, Brett. How could I forget that? There's so oh. many Bretts. Yes. But Brett... Is his last name Willis? I think that's what his last name is, right? I think so, actually. There's seriously too many Bretts in this yeah. So we had him on as a guest, and... I asked a very specific question, which was if the tables were turned, because as you probably recall, Danica hit Brett while they were both working at Sir. Oh, yeah. Oh, my right? God. Yeah. And in instead of getting fired, she was just suspended for a week or two. So the question I had asked him on that shenanigans episode, the lost tapes, was <laughs> if the tables were turned and you were the one who hit her. Do you think you would have gotten more than just being suspended for a week or two, whatever it was? I don't remember. And he was like, absolutely. I would have gone to jail. I would have been fired. You know, the list goes on. And shortly after that, she was not asked back. But we were also asked to remove the show. Wow. Oh, man. I think I think it's important to be able to ask the tough questions. It's something I have a difficulty doing sometimes because... You don't always want to hear the answers, you know, if I'm quite honest. But that is, that's, that's a big one there. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with me because I wasn't listening to shenanigans back then. I am now, of course, and Jamie right. all over. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. A lot of people don't even know that I co-hosted it for as long as I did. Yeah. I've had to go into the back catalog whenever right? And, you know, shenanigans was where I got my start in podcasting. I would love to actually share that story because one of the questions that I got was, how did you even get into it in the first place? And it was quite honestly accidental or fate, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But I brought up my business mentor earlier and said that, you know, he always talks about the dummy tax. His name is David Meltzer. I had said to Sheena in the early days of shenanigans, I said, you should have David Meltzer on as a guest. He's a little bit different from, you know, your typical guests. I think he can provide a different kind of value to your listeners. He's an amazing entrepreneur, very motivational and inspirational. The movie Jerry Maguire was based on his work at his sports agency. He's a very interesting person and one of the most genuine people I've ever met in my life. He completely changed my life. So I had suggested him as a guest 
And she said, sure, I will have him on, but can you co-host this episode since you know him way better and you could probably bring in some additional insight? So I just said yes, didn't even think about it. And then I was like, I've never been on a podcast before. (laughs) (laughs) And you fit right in. Thank you. So I co-hosted that episode. And then from that moment on, she would keep calling me back little by little to come co-host. And then lockdown happened and we were doing it kind of on a weekly basis. And we weren't really having guests for the time because we couldn't have in-person guests and we weren't really doing that many virtual things. So it kind of became this amazing thing that I got to do every week with my friend and have some human connection during lockdown. And it was amazing. And I learned so much. And I'm so grateful to her for even asking me that one time to co-host because that truly opened the door to how I'm even here doing Jamie all over. That's incredible. And, you know, the thing I like most about this is how organic it like seems and feels and truly was because it's not like there's any huge revelations here except for that you and your friend got to connect you got to bring on someone you thought was inspirational and what that like blossomed into was not only like a long stint of you co-hosting a very popular podcast but being able to spin that off into your own show which you wouldn't have been able to like you couldn't have plotted those dots on a map just by saying I suggest this guest, you know? Yeah, totally. Looking back now, when I did that, that was purely to help Sheena, help the show. I had no idea she was going to ask me to co-host. And it was also me paying it forward for David, too, because he's always saying, let me know how I can help you. And he really, really helped me. And I was like, you know what? This will also broaden his audience because the people who listen to Shenanigans are not the people who listen to his podcast called The Playbook. So I thought it would be great for the two of them, mutually beneficial. And there I was just truly trying to help out two friends. And sometimes that's when your greatest blessings come. Not for this to be misconstrued into me saying, do good things for people so good things come back to you, (laughs) you know, because that kind of defeats the purpose of why you're doing it. But truly just do good things in this world. And there's such thing as karma, you know? Yeah, it's like what's good for people is good for people. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if it's going to come back to you or not. It's like the more good that goes out there, the more good that's happening all around. True. Yes. Can I say something real quick? Sure. That just reminded me of one of my first podcasting stories. I was in a punk band back in my college days, and we had played this show in Iowa or something. And it was like a New Year's Eve party. There was my band was playing on the ground floor and then there was another venue on the second floor and we were watching the bands on the second floor and really like had a a kinship with them. We became friends. You know, we all hung out that night. It was New Year's Eve. You got a party with the people that are friendly with you. And then we kind of split up. They lived in New York. I lived in Kansas at the time. And 10 years later, I moved to New York to pursue a career in podcasting. I was very, very green. I randomly ran into this husband and wife who were in this band at the corner of a street in Soho. And they were like, is that Rob? What? What are you doing here? (laughs) Wow. And he ended up wanting to start a podcast and he had all of the equipment. He was like, the equipment is yours if you do the first few episodes for me. And then we'll work on getting sponsorships, all of those things, it ended up turning into my first professional career in podcasting, all from these people that I was just friends with for one night 10 years prior. And his name is Justin Kerr. He wrote an amazing book called How to Write an Email. Not only did he help me in the podcasting world and get my official first real job, His book he wrote, How to Write an Email, helped me navigate the corporate life for all of the podcasting ventures I went on afterwards, from Vice to SiriusXM to Team Coco, all of these places where I had to start emailing and scheduling a whole lot more after that. That is really, really cool. First of all, what was your band name and what was your friend's band's name? My band at the time was called The Wolves, and we were kind of like a Beastie Boys electronic punk band it was very much in the like post hardcore post emo era okay and his band i believe was the rich girls because his wife was the front person of that band and they were just really great 
Okay. Because it sounds like we were both living in New York City around the same time. So I'm like, did I ever see this flyer somewhere? (laughs) (laughs) We might have been. Uh, But of course, that New Year's Eve show, Middle America. So Mm, unless you were visiting Iowa at the time. I've never been to Iowa. I don't know how if you're missing anything. Sorry, listeners. I I was I'm not I'm just joking. I was great. (laughs) I definitely do want to explore the middle of our country. I've only been on like the ends, you know, like the coasts. So, yeah, I really want to end to Texas. But yeah. (laughs) So what instrument did you play? I did a lot of the beat making at home. Oh, like like electronic. Yeah, electronic stuff. And then I would do. Half of the vocals. Cool. I was also a big fan of Postal Service, so if that gives you anything. Love, love Postal Service. I actually heard that they're terrible live. I heard the same thing. Yeah, I wonder why. Uh, You just cannot recreate some of those tunes. I guess so. I guess I'll never see them live because it was like a one album thing, right? I wish they would come back. I always hear rumors that there might be one show. But I'm just like, until I see the tickets for sale, I am not buying it. That's how I felt about the My Chemical Romance reunion. But it actually finally happened. Yes, it did. (laughs) (laughs) So anything can happen. I will be the first person to get tickets if Postal Service does any shows, even if the shows are terrible live. Because I love every song on that album. It's so good. Beginning to end, it's hard for me to ever hit stop on that album. What's your favorite song on the album? Oh, <laughs> let me let me just pull up the track list real quick. <laughs> Probably Brand New Colony. That's an amazing one. I mean, but they all are. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. You What's know? the one that's the duet with the girl? We Will Become Silhouettes. No, but yeah, there is a, a female vocalist. And there's the too, District right? Sleeps Alone tonight. Nope, that's not the one I'm thinking of either. Oh my God, what is it? Clark Gable? Nope. Natural Anthem? <laughs> No. Recycled Wait. air? I think it begins with an N. Are you looking at the track list, maybe? Yes, I am. <laughs> Does it something that begins with an N? I'm not seeing that. But hey, you Hold know on. what? Listeners, leave it as a five-star review. Nothing better. That's it. Yes, yeah. that's the one. But still Thank leave you. it as a five-star review, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Before we actually hop into the podcast stuff, I have someone who's a Vanderpump Rules fan, so I need to ask you questions about Vanderpump Rules. What do you think of everything that's gone on since March? Well, not I was going to say March 1st, but it was March 1st to me. Yeah. I would say March 3rd to the world. Since then, what have you been thinking? Uh, so it's been really, so it hasn't been tough podcasting. It's actually been very easy to podcast about all of this, but it's been tough in the sense of like, Wanting to be a recap podcast, but mm-hmm. knowing what's been actually happening, yes. you know? And so mm-hmm. at a certain point, my friend Molly and I just gave up and we're like, we, we have to like stop talking about as if this is what the case is and start addressing what we actually know and has been confirmed because mm-hmm. it does change the way you watch the show. Totally. It's also led to some you know, maybe not so positive reviews on my podcast. Same. I was like, for the longest time, I'm such a perfectionist. And I was so proud of my 4.9 rating (laughs) for over a year. You know, I did the Team Sheena episode and reality shows bring in hardcore fans. They're very passionate about their Bravo. And I get it. I love their passion. But for example, if I'm doing a Team Sheena episode and there's someone who doesn't like Sheena, I think the same reviewer on Sheena's podcast gave you a one-star review as well oh my god and i was just like can i just say something real quick about that person yeah because i had to actually address it on my podcast oh did you i felt really bad even bringing that up to you in the dms Mm -hmm. because i was like i'm not helping any scenario here by like sharing oh yeah guess what this person also left a shitty comment over here too like what is it helping you know absolutely Mm -hmm. nothing Mm -hmm. and the loudest voices just break through in these ways. And like, yeah, I was really proud of my 4.92. And now it's like a 4.7. So I haven't looked in a month because I don't even want to read them anymore. But last yeah. I looked, I think I was like 4.3. <sighs> you know, and not saying it's all because people don't like certain people on the show. They also probably aren't liking me. You know, I made a comment on one of those Vanderpump related episodes saying, 
I was against the mandates. And I never said I was anti-vax. I'm very neutral on the vax. And I definitely don't want to get into (laughs) that in, in this episode. But I think there's a big distinction between the two. And I'm coming from a small business owner's perspective. I think you have such a good point that the listeners don't always know nuance. And I don't mean that in an insulting way. The listeners on Jamie All Over are amazing people. They truly are. And they get it. Yeah. For the most part, they're usually very understanding. But I did notice, like you, that these two episodes that I did, I don't know how many you did on Scandival, but it brought in a new type of listener. And they're probably not subscribed. They probably only listened to those two episodes and judged me based on that, not maybe realizing I have over 60 plus episodes that I did prior. (laughs) And, you know, this one woman who probably the last one star review that I read of mine before I stopped reading them said that I was a fangirl. And that's why I'm talking about people from Vanderpump Rules. You and I both know that's not necessarily the case. One, two, there's nothing wrong with being a fan of anybody. I'm a I'm a huge fangirl of bands, of other people. Like, I will be the first to admit that. But in this case, they're more my friends. And I'm a fan of all my friends. Like, you know, not saying that I'm not, but... The way she was putting it and giving me a one-star review because of that was so off base. And what was interesting is I was able to find out who this person was. And on her Instagram profile, she literally has a photo with Sheena and Peter at Sir. She has another photo of herself and her friends at Villa Blanca. So if someone's going to be the fangirl in that scenario, it's this woman, Tracy. (laughs) Okay. So the fact that she's like projecting that on me and giving my podcast a one star because of it is just so bizarre. Oh, so bizarre. Totally. And the other side of this is like, usually the person who wants to leave a one star review is going to find a reason to leave a one star review. I always find that I'm, I am not perfect. I know, surprising. But (laughs) sometimes like, especially when talking about Scandaval, I'll at least want to explore the area of the why, right? Or it's like, okay, if I were to put myself in Raquel or Tom's shoes, I'm having such a hard trouble seeing why anyone would do this. I want to at least explore why that would happen. And then we'll have like a discussion of what makes someone cheat? Why does it feel worth it? What is all this? And then the moment someone hears something that clicks with what they don't like, they'll be like, this person is a Scandaval apologist. They think that only Kristen was the person who was a problem. It's be like, Whoa, that is like a thought experiment we might have had that lasted three minutes over the total of, what, 80 episodes I've put out? <laughs> like, right. There's a lot right. more to it. Yeah. And bringing this back to how I started this topic, it's like I never said I was anti-vax and I'm yeah. quite neutral on what anyone else wants to do and I respect everyone's personal medical decisions. And I saw a couple one-star reviews that said that I'm anti-vax and I should not have a platform. Let's say I was, which I never said that I was. Do you really believe that people who have opposing views should not have a voice? I mean, that's... It's wild. goes against our First Amendment. It's wild. And it is it is the fact of, like I said earlier, the loudest people leave the most negativity. And it's hard because like, I accept if people don't like aspects of, say, my show or they don't want to choose to listen. Like, I'm not I'm not as funny as Wattsworth Crappens or you have stronger beliefs on animal rights than maybe this other person or on a citizen's rights or whatever you want to say. The fact of the matter is, is you have your podcast that you would like to say the things you would like to say on. And that's perfectly fine. And people don't have to listen. That's the hard part here. They don't have to listen, but they are listening and they want you to know what they're mad about. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I was going to save reviews for the end of the topics because I do have an outline for this show, which is another tip is usually you want to have some sort of an outline because this show with you was very impromptu. I just kind of have a loose outline, but We could skip to the end and let's talk about reviews because in the grand scheme of things, I don't think they affect the show all that much other than the host's heart or ego (laughs) in the grand scheme of things. Do you do you think it would stop other people from listening to a show if they just saw bad reviews? I mean, maybe I'm off base with this. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't really think it's going to stop a listener from finding 
a podcast they want to listen to? Because I would say most people want to learn for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I think at a time, Apple used to suppress podcasts with lower reviews, but I don't think that's the case anymore in terms of the algorithm and how Apple works. Right. You know, when I'm co-hosting Shenanigans, now Sheena is with Dear Media, and they're one of the top podcasting networks. And even producers over there, they'll say, we don't care what the reviews say. (laughs) Yeah, That's not how it works. They care more about downloads, obviously. Oh, yeah. So on my list, I had equipment as like, let's deal with the basics first. Someone is new to this. They're thinking about starting a podcast. What do they need? Let's go from like the very basics and spending the least amount of money to other options that they could record on. And what would you suggest? At the very, very basic, you could have two people talking into their iPhone voice memos and then putting that into free software online to edit it if they wanted to edit it or to put it together as one file. Such as Audacity. Do you have any other free software recommendations? Audacity is great. You know, one tip that took me a while to learn, there's an application called Descript, which has a free tier on it that will allow you to import your audio And we'll give you a few hours of free transcription. And you can actually, if you know nothing about editing, you can start editing by text. So like it'll bring up all of your words and you can like physically delete a word and it will delete it from the audio. Rob, that is amazing. I didn't know that that existed. And that will save people so much time because I will manually go in and edit out if myself or a guest says like, um, ah, uh-huh. uh, you know all the words. Oh, yeah. And I will manually pull all of those words out for listener enjoyment. I did not know that that exists because I edit on Audacity. So I'm actually going to check that out. So what you're saying is I could write the word like and it will delete all of the likes? Yeah, you could do a... So you'll import your audio, right? And it will make a transcript of it. And then you can do like a search and find for like, and then go through and hit delete on all of them. That's incredible. In my mind, I always thought that that would be an amazing invention. Little did I know that it already exists. So thank you for sharing that information. That's awesome. And how do you spell Descript? D-E-S-C-R-I-P-T. Okay. Just like And I will (laughs) say, you know, for new podcasters, you do that but you're still going to want to listen through to the episode because sometimes people merge two words together. So I'll be like, a like or a like, and you know I'll delete that mm. like, but it might cut off another word. So you can still finesse the edit to make gotcha. sure that it only like gets it deleted. Let's say someone is not talking into their phone. They want to get some microphones. They want yes. to get some software or recorders. What do you think about that? I would say the next step up would be like a Yeti microphone. It is a really nice under $100 USB microphone. And that way you can plug it directly into your computer. You can use something like GarageBand or Audacity, things that come with a computer or are free to download and record directly into your computer. The good thing about the Yeti brand microphones is they've got a dial on the side of them where you can have one person talking on one end and one person talking on the other and still get you pretty decent quality for the cost. Or you can set the dial to to be just one person talking and get very good quality for the cost. Okay. Another perspective to that, because I've actually heard some people say that the Yetis pick up a lot of sound in the room. Is it a condenser instead of a dynamic Mike, the Yeti? Yeah, and it's because of some of the settings that they have on there. I think that person probably hasn't dialed in what they need, but just a quick YouTube tutorial. You can say, this is where I need to set the gain. This is the thing I need to set for how I'm talking into it. They've got a couple of different ways you can set it, and if you tweak it the wrong way, it'll just pick up all your room noise. Got it. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the difference between dynamic mics and condenser mics, because I find it interesting that you are recommending a condenser mic. So that's also new information to me that you like the Yeti, but you're not the first person that I've heard other podcasters 
really and like I have the to Yeti. say, I have to say, I'm going from a beginner's price point because the Yeti has a point where you can change it to act like a dynamic mic because I think dynamic mics should be the way to go. I just don't want people breaking the bank if they're just beginning their show. Okay. You're probably way more technical <laughs> than bit, I am. Sorry. So no no I no I love that. So that you can probably explain the difference between a condenser and a dynamic mic better than I can. So, you know, the way I would explain it in layman's terms is that the condenser picks up a lot of noise throughout the whole room, whereas mm. dynamic, you really have to be basically eating the microphone and it will pick up right on that, you know, that voice that's right in front of it. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way to put it. A condenser mic you'll want to use when you're recording your good as gold single in a soundproof studio. It is something that will get a better full sound of your voice, but not necessary for most chat podcasts. The dynamic mic is going to be great because it'll block out a lot of background noise, but has a narrow cone of where it's going to pick up your sound. So I think of it like when I'm when I'm teaching anyone to talk into a dynamic mic for a podcast, I go, imagine you're eating an ice cream cone. A soy ice cream cone. <laughs> and that way you're sticking your nose right at it. This is where the sound's going to catch and you won't be going all over the place and be an editor's nightmare. Another thing that you mentioned was that the Yeti has a USB connection. A lot of mics have what's called an XLR. Yes. Shall I give you the mic, so <laughs> to speak, on this as well? Pass me the mic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, XLRs are like standard mic cable. Got three prongs on the inside, and you'll see the male and female side on either side of a microphone or the cable. Those will usually, for podcasting purposes, go into something called an audio interface, which takes the XLR cable and then turns it into a USB adapter for your computer. Exactly. And that's an extra expense is yes. the interface. And this was the biggest obstacle that I hit starting out because I tried several variations of recording. And what I settled on after returning a bunch of equipment <laughs> was, <laughs> so I initially started with the Cadillac of mics, which is the Shure SM7B. Am I saying oh, that with yes. a jerk? Did I just say that with a Jersey accent? Is it sure instead of sure? <laughs> the sure SM7B. The problem with that is that it needs an interface. You can't just plug it into something and go. Yep. Again, I'm like, okay, now I'm researching interfaces and which one do I get? And that's even more equipment to lug around with me if I'm going to be traveling with it. So I ended up returning the SM7B and I still got sure microphones. But they make another one that's very similar to the quality of that, but it has two connections. So you can do XLR or USB. It's the MV7 model. Yes, that's what I'm talking into right now. Amazing. I absolutely love it. And the sound is amazing. Yeah. I have it plugged right into my Mac and I record on GarageBand, which you had mentioned earlier. Funny enough, I edit in Audacity. <laughs> <laughs> well, Audacity, I will say, is easier and better to edit than GarageBand. It's way easier using Audacity. And I think if I continue to edit my own podcasts, I may want to learn different software to edit on. What do you edit on? Do you use something more advanced like uh, Logic? A lot of people use Logic. When I worked for SiriusXM, they had us use Adobe Audition. When I worked for the Maximum Fun Network or for a show that was on the Maximum Fun Network, I used Adobe Audition. When I moved over to Team Coco, when I was there, they wanted me to use Pro Tools, which is the Cadillac of mm, all editing right. software. And so hard to learn, right? And very hard to learn, yeah. But let me let me hip you all to another cost-effective and very exciting software called Reaper. R-E-A-P-E-R. Mm-hmm. And it is free. It'll bring up a little pop-up whenever you download it and says, we would appreciate if you purchase this, but if you can't, you can evaluate it for as long as you need. And there you go. I ended up purchasing it once I used it to an extent. I am able 
to do that. And I was like, I want to support the things that are helpful to people who need help. And it is fully customizable, does everything Audacity does. And I even changed all of the hotkeys to my favorite hotkeys I had from Adobe to Pro Tools to whatever. So it works just like all of these Cadillac ones, but for free. Let's also talk about different devices to help the sound. I don't use anything like a pop filter or screen or anything like that with this mic, but I have seen other people with other mics that will use the pop filter. Sure. Yeah. In front of it. There's something called plosives. So I will give you guys an example of what that sounds like because I will change the direction of my face. Please. I'll leave it. Normally, I wouldn't leave it. But when you hear me say the P in please, you're going to hear a a major P sound. And that's not good. So a lot of times people will have filters on top of the mic. I just hit the mic. Oops. On top of the mic. That's what happens. (laughs) To lessen the plosives. I have my own little trick with that that I do. So you had mentioned a visual of an ice cream cone. Mm Mm-hmm. The placement for my mic is actually on the side of my face, and it's kind of like, so I'm speaking forward, but my mic is capturing it from the side. So when I just said that word, please, I turned and looked directly into the mic and said that, and that's the difference for me. I definitely do the same thing for myself because as a host, you know, you start learning the tricks of like, you know, I ain't perfect, but you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of air comes out of this, a lot of hot air comes out of this face, but like... (laughs) I do have to talk away from it. If I am interviewing someone else, I generally know that I'm probably not going to be able to teach them all of that etiquette. So I will definitely put a pop filter in front of the mic and I will be like, I need you to talk generally in this direction. And then I will have to do what you were talking about, go in and maybe finesse some of Mm -hmm. the edits to make the P's not sound as harsh. Yes. And now a quick word about editing, which I taught myself in a matter of one day, but it took the entire day. I spent maybe eight to 10 hours learning it, watching a ton of tutorials. And I was kind of forced to do this. And it was a blessing in the end. But my first few episodes, I had hired a podcast editor. I knew nothing about editing any of the podcasts. When we were on Shenanigans, we handed it over to her. She would edit everything. She would send it to us. We would say, take out this timestamp to this. Like We would just send our notes back. Rather than me listening and putting down the notes for someone else to do it, I'd rather just do it on the spot. So I'm so happy that I know how to do it now. Yeah. And by the way, a podcast editor in L.A., I don't know what it is elsewhere, but you're looking at around 40 to $60 an hour. Would you say that's about the average? Yeah, I would say that is the probably lowest you'll be able to get it at. And that's that it, it, it's, it's expensive because it's time consuming. So it is an investment to learn it yourself. But then that's also time consuming. So you just have to determine, do you want to pay to free up your time? Or do you want to do it yourself and save your money? Even if money isn't an issue, maybe you do want to just do it yourself because you may fall into that perfectionist box like myself. Oh, yes. I (laughs) I will say on top of that, I always like to give advice whenever I'm teaching. I used to volunteer at the Brooklyn Public Library for people who wanted to learn how to podcast. And Amazing. I would tell them the skills are skills that you can then put on your resume, right? They're skills that you can then add to your LinkedIn profile if you are teaching yourself any of this. And everyone's going to have their own style. Don't worry about following any sort of rule book. If it sounds good and people can hear it, then you're doing a good job. That being said, yeah, it's a time commitment to learn how to edit. But also, why not take that time commitment and record maybe a month's worth of your episodes, if you're going to release weekly and you record four episodes, then you have that time to edit those episodes. And maybe by the time you get to the fourth one, you'll want to go back to the first one and be like, oh, I love what I did by the time I learned all of this. I'm going to perfect the other ones. And then you have four weeks of runway to float on as you do new episodes. Yes, I have that actually on my list of recommendations. Oh, wow. Sorry, I didn't even jump on that. (laughs) No, is to batch episodes. But funny enough, I do not do that. I'm not sure if I can blame that on my ADHD, but I in no way have ever had the prep 
to do more than one episode at a time. Maybe I've done two in a week and then I can play the next one the next week. But in my research, one of the tips that I did see and I was like, wow, this would be a great tip if you're not me. (laughs) You don't (laughs) suffer from my issues. Well, it all depends on what type of podcast you're doing, too, right? You know, a lot of the stuff you do comes pretty quick. It does. And for yours is a recap. So you can't really batch episodes. You have to wait every week. Yeah, I can only batch episodes in the off season. Mm, Okay. Getting back to the editor real quick, that story. So I had done a podcast with Ryan Bailey, one of my earlier podcast episodes. We recorded at Sugar Taco. Again, big mistake. That's a big room, terrible acoustics. But I was like, hey, come here. We can go in before they open because he records from home. At that point, I was recording from home. I was like, oh, well, come to my office and we'll just do it there. (laughs) The sound was pretty bad because it was a big echoey room. At one point, an ambulance went by. So I asked the podcast editor, can you remove the siren or do the best that you can? Also, can you remove the echo from the entire room? She said that she couldn't do it and she needed an additional plug in and she didn't know how to do it. And to me, that didn't sit right because I knew that there was a way to do it. And so I started Googling it and looking it up, and I sent her tutorials on how to do this. I can see that people could be offended by that, but my thinking is always, I want to be the best at whatever I do. And if someone is going to show me a new way to do something, like, thank you, I want to be better at this. But she just had no interest in knowing how to do it. Instead, she got insulted and then stopped editing my podcasts. Yeah, that's tough. That is so tough. There's a level of like or a threshold of how much you want to put into something. But there's also a discussion. Okay, that's going to add an additional whatever, whatever. And if you don't want to actually have the professional discussion about what it will take to do what this episode needs, then that's another issue. And to that point, I think a lot of people, and this is a lesson I wish I could say I only learned once, but I've learned many times when there's background noise or anything of that nature, is that it's always better to say, hang on a second, let's wait for this mm-hmm. police car to drive by, than it is to try and fix that police car. 100%. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's definitely a mistake that has been made on my part and something I learned throughout the process, which I should have known this sooner because when I was doing shenanigans, when we were recording in Hollywood at Sheena's old apartment, like right on sunset, there were sirens all the time. And she would always say, wait, let's break for this. Yeah. And then we would pick up when the siren was gone. I should have already known that. But because I didn't edit at that time, it never clicked to me to do that. So now that I edit myself, you know, I'll have my dogs barking. So I'll just stop talking. I'll wait for them to finish barking. And then hey, I'll, my I dog will barked during this interview. Yes. And so do mine. People will never know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I lost my editor, long story short. And it was a blessing because yeah. at that point I could have hired someone else. But I said, you know what? I never want to be put in this position again where I am relying on another person to put out something that my name is on. I don't want to be reliant on anyone in that way. And whether I hire someone new or I don't, I want to know how to do it in case someone gets sick or they can't do it. And I don't want to be put in that position. So that's when I took the time and I learned how to do it. I was like, well, let's just see how this goes. And I never stopped editing myself. And it sounds great. Thank you. I know at some point I may need to get an editor. But what's nice is that now I can show them all of these episodes that I've done and and they can see what my style is. They can see how I like it to be edited. There's a reference point. Totally. You have to know when to make that choice as well, especially as, you know, you and I were executive producers of our podcasts that we host. I never thought of myself having that title, but okay, I'll take it. Take it. Take it. (laughs) Run with it. We obviously can't teach anyone in this episode how to edit, but there's so much information out there. If you do want to learn yourself, just pick your program that you're going to be editing on. And there are a ton of free YouTube videos on how to edit. Yeah. I wanted to talk about different ways to record, you know, so there's like a Zoom recorder, there's GarageBand, as we mentioned. What do you use? What are your favorite ways to record? Well, I am very fortunate to have saved my money and I got a Zoom recorder. Now, I started with 
a Zoom H6, which is what people will see Sheena was using when she interviewed Schwartz on this season Mm -hmm. of Vanderpump. And that is an amazing piece of equipment. I have since upgraded to a Zoom P8, which has multiple tracks, a soundboard, and it also will allow me to, like, say on this Zoom, I am also recording your audio, Jamie, in its own isolated track, just in case your computer craps out. I like Mm -hmm. to have a backup for both people. Very smart. Yeah. And let's differentiate the name Zoom. Yes, (laughs) true. There are two different businesses. So there's the Zoom that everybody knows, the Zoom meetings. That is what a lot of people will use to have their conversations when their guest is virtual, when they're not together. We are talking right now on a Zoom conversation. However, Zoom sucks for audio. It does. Sorry, Zoom. But, you know, because it goes through the Wi-Fi, right? So if my Wi-Fi craps out, that's when you hear, and a lot of podcasts use those Zoom tracks, you'll hear that weird, those sounds, you know, the weird Wi-Fi sounds. I am not having that. So if I am using Zoom to have a conversation with my guest, I am also recording my track separately because Rob is also a podcaster. Rather than me doing anything on his end, (laughs) I just asked him, can you record your track and send it to me? And then we'll put them together. Now, if he wasn't a podcaster and didn't have his own equipment, I would not use Zoom. I would use a different program that records on a cloud. Yes. I think I use this same secret. Okay. (laughs) Amazing. It's... The best way to do a virtual, and you wouldn't even know that I was doing a virtual. If they have headphones, you want to have them wear headphones. If they have a microphone, obviously even better. But if it's someone who doesn't normally podcast, they will have headphones usually, but they're not going to have a mic. This is the best way to get your virtual audio. If you want to know, I will give you my secret. Just DM me. I'm not giving it out to everybody. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to gatekeep, and that's why I'm doing this episode. I think we're giving a lot of good insider information well and i think there's a lot of people are going to find what works for them and Mm -hmm. if they're dedicated into recording editing and doing conference-based interviews they're gonna google it and they're gonna find many 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 different ways to do that and what works for them is gonna stick right for me i ended up just going with GarageBand. That's my current setup. And if I am going to record on the road or if I'm going to someone, if there's only one other guest, I may bring my laptop because I can plug in two microphones. But if you have more than one guest, you're going to need a podcast recorder. Do what makes you feel comfortable when you've got a guest, because if you're uncomfortable with your equipment, the podcast will sound uncomfortable. Totally. Let's get into the marketing. Where would you start? I love using Canva.com, mm-hmm. and I one. make a unique piece of art for every episode I put out. Oh, do you? Yes. I don't think it's necessary, but I don't have the, and this is personal to me, I don't have the bandwidth with my day job, with my podcasts, and everything to be able to upkeep an Instagram or whatever. So I like to have something that says, here's the episode. Here I'm posting it on social, and here's everywhere you can find it. And so I make a fun template on a website like Canva, and then I swap out the images, the text, and then I put it up on the gram. That's awesome. I need to do more of that. I am very, what's the word, lazy? Well, (laughs) but I do think there's a difference because you have quite a number of followers, and a lot of people respond within your stories and your posts. So someone like me who has a lot of podcast listeners, but not as many Instagram followers, I put in that little bit of extra legwork so that hopefully I can be discovered when people are searching for things like Vanderpump Rules. Well, that's a great tip because a lot of people starting out may not have their following built up yet. And that's an amazing tip. And, you know, when I was researching for this episode, I wanted to bring in other people's insight as well. And it was funny because one person said, don't depend on social media to market the podcast. I'm like, oh, my God, that's all I do. (laughs) (laughs) It made perfect sense because he was like, 
the people who are following you on social media are already listening to your podcast yeah. and already know about you. You need to reach people who don't know about you. Yep. And he said, you know, other ways to get the word out is to go on other podcasts as a guest. Yes. So I could probably be better at doing that. Another thing he said was to kind of do seminars or live shows. So I do have a live show coming up in New York with probably a new audience because it's at the Vegan Women Summit. So it's not people who are coming specifically to see my live podcasts are coming for a variety of reasons, people in tech and food and all kinds of different industries. So that's a good way to get the word out. So I'm like, okay, one thing I'm doing, I guess, but I could probably be doing more of that. I agree. I'm doing the same thing. I have a live show in New York, I think the week after yours. I know. We're going <laughs> to miss each other. Ships in the night. But yes. yeah, I do think anything where you can engage a live audience, whether it's, for me, Part of my live shows when I do them, like this one's going to be extra special because I used to live in Brooklyn. But if I did something out in the the valley in California, I'll do a, a Vanderpump trivia night, right? Mm. So maybe it's not always my podcast audience or even a podcast audience, but like a reality TV Vanderpump trivia night might bring out people that then discover that they want to hear the podcast. Yes, that is such a great idea. You've got your podcast recorded. How do you even get the podcast out into the world? Oh, there's so many different places and they all want to charge you something different, right? So mm -hmm. you need to go to a hosting service. If you search, how do I get my podcast on Apple Podcasts? The Google will be flooded with all these different options. Spreaker, Libsyn. Anchor. Anchor. And Anchor is one that I think is great for people who are starting off to use yes. because it is Free. free. <laughs> and yes. they will help guide you through the process. They will put your podcast everywhere it needs to go and you can set it and forget it. And as you learn the back end of podcasting, as your show grows, you can then move to a different one if you even need to. Sometimes Absolutely. you don't even need to. But yeah, that's that how I is started. like phase four, five, six. You're on phase one. I absolutely recommend it. That's how I started. I put my first episode up through Anchor. was so proud. I'm like, wow, because I'm not technologically savvy at all. So if I can do it, any of you guys can do it. After, let's see, I did it for episode one and I did it for episode two. By episode three, I was so lucky to have a contract with a podcast network and they switched me from Anchor to Megaphone. Yes, Starting out, I think Anchor is great. I believe they're owned by Spotify. You can still go to anchor.fm to sign up, but you can also go to spotifyforpodcasters.com. And that doesn't just mean that your podcast will be on Spotify. They nope. put it on all of the platforms. So that's a great tip is Anchor. Love them. And then they also give you options to monetize. I never got that far with them. Yeah, I've had a couple of early set podcasts that... Once I started getting consistent downloads, they just sent me an email that said, and it wasn't even that many. It just showed that I was consistently putting out shows and people were consistently listening to it. They said, hey, would you like to opt in? So you drag and drop your episodes, essentially, to save them and upload them. And then they give you another button that says, would you like to drag and drop an ad to put in here? And it's that simple. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. And how many downloads would you say would be necessary to get to that level? I don't remember exactly, but I knew it was a few hundred consistently, which okay. honestly, if you're putting out episodes, people are looking for episodes. So that's not going to be that difficult yeah. once you've put in the time. Yeah. So let's talk about downloads versus listens. I think podcast metrics are terrible. Oh, it's <laughs> the worst. It is the worst. And every different company has a different... They're going to give you a different definition. I can't wait for it to advance the way that, say, YouTube does. I hear YouTube is even overkill with all of the metrics that you can get on there. As far as podcasting, so for example, if I go into Megaphone, what I'll see there is how many downloads I get. But not everyone is downloading your episode. And so it gets into a lot of gray area with how many people are actually listening. Would yes. you agree? Oh, Absolutely. Another thing is you don't want to just put out episodes and expect to have thousands and thousands of downloads and let that deter you from continuing. 
Yeah. I once in my early days of podcasting, I took a meeting with a podcast manager who oversees two of the top podcasts in the world. Wow. And I wanted to get information from him. I just wanted to talk with him. He was so nice enough to sit down and talk with me. He said something to me that I'll share with all of you, which I thought was very interesting and probably very insider, is that he said, you're not going to know where you stand until you do 88 episodes. I'm not even at 88. Yeah. So that number just stuck in my head. He's like, at number 88, you will know if you are going to have a successful show or not. And so that kept me going. There were times throughout this last year that I was like, am I done? Should I just stop? Do I keep going? And I was like, I'm not going to make that decision until I hit 88. I'm almost at 70 now. And I'm happy to say, like, I know I'm going to keep going, you know, and I know it's successful. And I know that I'm going in the right direction. But if he didn't put that number in my head, I may have stopped sooner when I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's not reaching as many people as I would hope it to. And now it's exceeding my expectations. And I'm not sure where he got that number from. But hopefully, you know, for anyone else starting out, for them to know that, hopefully that can keep them going the way that it kept me going. Yeah, I think it shows that you won't be able to see a true trend until you have dozens and dozens of episodes. I think it's important to realize that you're going to create rules for yourself when you make a podcast that you shouldn't be afraid to break down the line. The format of Vanderpump Robs has changed like three times over the course of its release. Yes, that is so smart. Learn what works, what doesn't, and you have to adapt. You can't be married to one specific idea. Yeah, it'll keep you fresh. I remember there was just one point where I just said like, Wait, why am I doing it this way? I'm not sparking joy when I make my Mm. podcast this way. Let's do it in a way that I'm having more fun. And boy, it really turned things around for me. And the listeners liked it too. What were you doing and what did you change? So the first couple of seasons of the show, I was going chronologically and I would do like a 10 minute recap of the episode. I'd be like, oh, Lisa walks in with her fancy hat and says, you know, hey, go get me a drink, Tom Schwartz, and whatever, right? And I would just go through the whole episode being quippy and smarmy and throwing in sound effects and all this sort of stuff. And then I would have an interview with a guest about the same episode. Well, that whole first 10 minutes would take me hours to edit because I would script it out and I would try and write jokes and I would pull all the sound effects I wanted and the clips from the show. And then the interview would be 30 to 45 minutes. And that was just a fun conversation. Mm. It's like, well, why am I spending two hours on 10 minutes for something I'm only sometimes happy with when I'm having more joy just talking to someone about it in a structured fashion? So I put all of that effort into what I was recapping and put that into just a working outline like you have on your episodes for my guest or my co-host. And it's just made a world of difference. Yeah. The worst is when someone starts out and they think, okay, what do the people want? You can't approach it that way. You're never going to please them either. You won't. You can never please everybody. So you're better off even instead of being broad and trying to please everybody, I think you're better off niching down and make it as specific of a topic as possible to reach the right people. Totally. The idea of just pleasing the masses, throw that out the window. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I was like, I should do a Vanderpump Rules podcast because mm-hmm. there are only so many, like it's it's big news right now, but they're still in the scheme of all television media. It is a niche market. And I might be the most hated podcast on Reddit, but I'm the <laughs> most loved podcast for everyone who's not on Reddit who wants Vanderpump <laughs> Rules. <laughs> that's a podcast for another day. That's yes. a, that's another day. My podcast name is Jamie All Over, and I do say that my topics are all over the place. But when I choose a topic, I feel like it's a specific topic. You yes. know, so for example, that ADHD episode when I finally got diagnosed. Oh, that was incredible! By the way, I thought Thank that you. that was so good. I really, really appreciated you being so open and honest, not only with your audience, but with yourself and where you found your own limitations in the past and how you were able to be able to like 
this is going to sound so cliche, but like break through the barriers of like <laughs> what you had set in place for yourself. And you're like, I knew there's an issue. I wanted to figure it out. And now this is how I proceed forward. And it was just really eye opening. Thank you. I made it very specific about my experience. Mm-hmm. And that episode is not an episode that anyone else could have put out because it was so personal and so specific. And so that is my advice. And that brought in so many people who related and felt seen and said, you know, this is the first time they're hearing about this and it's something clicks and it's allowing them to kind of get their own answers. And to me, that was just one of the most poignant moments in podcasting yet is when I got all of those DMs about that. And I'm just saying like that was the connection, you know, and and creating that community. And that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't so personal about something so specific. So when I say niche down, that's kind of what I mean. And it doesn't mean that every single episode has to be about that same topic, but it means make it personal, make it something that no one else could do because they're not you. So true. So true. And and just to talk a little bit about that, I only recently started discussing on the podcast that I had quit drinking. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people who have been able to relate with that or have sent me personal messages or I've noticed, even from my own perspective, noticed, oh, they talk about that too, has mm-hmm. been eye-opening. So it works both ways. You know, you can have healthy conversations when you're able to be, I guess vulnerable is the right word, but that's not even yeah. how I was trying to present it on the show. It's just trying to normalize that not everyone needs this or not everyone acts this way. Good for you. Congratulations on that. Thank you. How long has this been now? I hit one year just a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. But it's only been a few months since I started talking about it on the podcast. So you needed that time to yourself. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Is there anything else that you can think of that would help the listeners on their journey to podcasting before I let you go? Don't exceed your budget before you know what you want to do. Write your podcast down on paper, kind of like in the outline format. You're saying like, if I had a perfect episode, this is how it would be structured. And I would then say, practice. Don't worry. Just take a Saturday afternoon or whatever your day off might be and just try it out. Say, this episode's not going to go live. And just try it out. Practice the edit. And you're going to find that you're going to figure it out pretty darn quick. It's going to be great. And like you, Jamie, if anyone has any like further questions, my DMs on my Instagram are also open and I'm always happy to talk podcasts. You gave such amazing information. I think this episode is so much more valuable with your input as well. And I guess in closing, if I could think of anything to say, it would just be to encourage you to start on episode one For anyone who's OG and heard that, I had allergies at the time. My nose was stuffy. I remember Sheena saying to me, why don't you wait? Why are you forcing this first episode when you don't feel well? I said, because if I wait, I will never start. And I forced myself to just do it. You're never going to feel like the time is perfect. You're never going to feel like, okay, now I finally have all the ducks in a row and now I'm absolutely ready. It's really something that you will not ever be ready And you will not learn certain things until you are actually doing it. And those are the mistakes that you need to make. Totally. When you're in the field and actually doing it. There's nothing that Rob or I can say to you that will eliminate every possible mistake that you're going to make. You will make mistakes. They're good because that's how you learn. And I'll also say you have a voice. Every single person has a unique, special perspective. When you find the right way to express that... It is so valuable to the world. The world needs that. And I'm not here saying every single person needs a podcast. But if this medium is the right medium for you to express that voice, I want you to figure that out. And I want you to try it. And like Rob, I am always here too to help you if you have any questions. Rob, tell everyone where they can find you. I think the best way that people can find me would be on Instagram at VanderpumpRobs. DMs are open. And if you like the podcast, it's the same name, VanderpumpRobs. You can get free episodes wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can get bonus and ad-free episodes at patreon.com slash VanderpumpRobs. 
And check out my episode if you're so inclined yes. of Vanderpump Robs. So, Rob, I think I know what song we're playing. It was I the Postal Service. Too. Yeah. And yes. so your favorite one was Brand New Colony. Is that right? Yeah. Let's go out with that. Thank you guys so much for being here. Rob, thank you for all of your amazing input. And I will talk to you next week. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.